book of Genesis, chapter number 24, if you will. We've been started last week, looked at how Jesus was giving out some invitations. The invitation to rest is what we saw last week. Come, all ye that heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Later on, he actually even gives another one that he says that, Come unto me, and I will make you fishers of men. He says that uh, I'll give you some results if you'll go ahead and just follow me. Then he says, come unto me and come and dine. They were playing that song a little earlier, and he gives an invitation that you just have a relationship with him. Come and come and see. Come and be with me. Come and be and just have a relationship. And so thankful that he has. And it's all about the decisions that we make with the questions that are answered or asked in our life. Uh, we, we had a lot of questions when we were kids. Mom and dad, I don't know about you, mom and dad would ask me questions. And sometimes I want them to give a, a straight answer. And maybe sometimes I probably didn't want to give them a straight answer. I don't know if any of y'all would be in a predicament like that. But uh, hey, I'm just flesh and I'm honest right here before you. Uh, and there's a lot of times where there's questions that are asked that we just really don't know real, how to answer those questions. But the questions that we have that are asked are very pointed and they're in the Bible. There's so many questions throughout the Bible. We always felt that the Bible is a a book of answers and it truly is. And it's the only answer that we can truly have, the answer that we need to have. The, The answer to eternity is found in the Bible. Praise God, we can have salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. The answer to a lot of questions, but there's the questions that we have and the Bible has these abundant questions throughout. The demand that they all demand a decision that we need to make. And to be honest with you, these decisions that we make, you just need to check off one or two boxes. Either yes or no. All the decisions we make in our life day by day and year by year and minute by minute, eternity just has two choices. Heaven or reject Jesus Christ and spend an eternity in hell. That's very simple questions that we just need to answer. Yes, I'll go or no, I will not. I will reject him or not. But then I begin to think through some popular questions. And to be honest with you, some of the most popular questions that you see in the Bible is one that that Jesus Christ asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? They give him an answer and they tell him what's going on. But then he gets very direct. He gets very personal. And he says, okay, you say what man says, but who do you say that I am? That's a very direct question that he demands an answer with that. One of the other questions that I love to be able to hear about is the Philippian jailer, chapter number 16 of the book of Romans. He comes out and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There's other questions that we have uh, throughout the Bible. The Philippian jailer did that. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again? How can he enter back into his mother's womb and and be born again? And Jesus Christ gives him that reply and gives him the answer to that. But those are all questions. But these are all questions that are point-blank questions that sometimes God begins to ask us certain questions. As a matter of fact, the very first question that's ever asked in the Bible, if you begin in Genesis chapter number 1 and you go through... The first question that is asked is asked by God. Genesis chapter number 3, God is going into the the, uh, garden there and he says, Adam, Eve, where are you? What are you doing? Where, where are you? And we all know that this is not because God needs an answer and, you know, they're hiding and he's playing hide and go seek and he really doesn't know where they are. He knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly the condition that they were in. He knew exactly what had happened in their life. But he's asking a question that they could realize to themselves. 
He says, where are you? And then they say, well, we're hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Because we were naked and we were afraid. Well, why are you afraid? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree? And then I love how Adam plays the blame game. I, I said something about this this, Sunday, this Wednesday morning. We, we talk about the blame game sometimes. Adam says, it was her fault. She's the reason. It was her fault. And then she says, well, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. And to be honest with you, one thing, Brother Oliver, that absolutely amazes me is the fact that the one that took credit and didn't try to blame somebody else was Satan. Yeah, it was me. I did it. And ultimately, when you begin to look at that question or how he blamed Adam, blamed he ultimately was blaming God. Well, you gave me the woman, so it must have been your fault. Well, that was the woman. I even said this this morning. That must be where they got that book, The Devil Made Me Do It, because Adam blamed the woman for it. Hallelujah. That's all right. That's all right. I'll move on. But there are all these questions. And it's, it's actually interesting how when God begins to go into chapter number four, he begins to ask the same questions to Cain. Cain, where's your brother Abel? Where is he? Then he goes on a little further. What have you done? Your brother's blood, it cries to me from the rocks. He's asking those questions, not once again, not to get information, not to understand where we are, what's actually happening in our life, but for us to realize what's going on in our life. And these are decisions that we have. He goes on to say a a, a few things of, of Jacob. He says, Jacob, in chapter number 32 of the book of Genesis, he says, what is your name? As they wrestled. Jacob had to admit that I'm a deceiver. I'm one that has been lying to a lot of people. I'm one that's been doing absolutely wrong. And and God is getting that, admitting them. And, And our text has a question. If you turn to Genesis chapter number 24, look at verse number 57 with me. Genesis chapter number 24, verse number 27. The Bible says this. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. The setting, of course, is here where the servant of Abraham has gone to find a bride for the son Isaac. And he's ready to go, and he's ready to go back to his master. And look what it says in verse number 58. This is our text verse. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, and a very important question, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's, Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsel, and they rode upon camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for, Lord, your word. God, we thank you for the questions that have been posed. God, that we can understand where we are, what is going on in our life, how we might be able... uh, to get a better relationship with you. Lord, we beg you, God, that you just help us, Lord, during these next few moments, Lord, that you just touch us. God, use us. God, use us in a way that it would speak to people's lives, God. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would flow freely in this place tonight. God, touch those that are watching us by way of the Internet. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me, God. Lord, preach me, God, as you'd have me to preach. Use me as you'd have me to be used. Lord, empty me. And fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. And do it thyself. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. And amen.
When we look at that verse, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm absolutely amazed at how God directs everything in the Word of God. Now, I know that it is, it is amazing. It's inspired. He inspired these men and he, he, they pinned down the very Word of God. To be able to think that God chose mankind, men, to be able to take a pen, to take a, a thing, to a writing utensil and begin to scribe down what He was having them to write. And how it all comes together. How there's no mistakes in the Word of God. How there's no errors in the Word of God. How there's no discrepancies in the Word of God. And how it all comes in together in such a perfectly woven together, perfectly woven together way. And how we see that certain ones are pictures of God Himself. And He uses our text, this chapter, chapter number 24, as an amazing, complete chapter all on its own. If you begin to look through at the very beginning, you see Abraham sending out a servant. Abraham, the servant there, or Abraham there is pictured as a wonderful father, as the father that owns all of these things. The father that's sending out that servant that he might obtain a bride for his son. Then, of course, if you know the story, and we all know, of course, on our Wednesday night people, we all know the story of how Abraham stands there as the father, and it's a loving, caring father that has a son that walked up a lonely hill, and that he faithfully led his son to a place of sacrifice. But then Isaac, the son, pictured as Jesus Christ, as you begin to look through that, it willingly trudged up that hill as well. Many people say, did, did Isaac really know what was going on? Well, he definitely asked the question. He asked the question, uh, Father, I see the fire, I see the wood, I see everything that we have, but where's the sacrifice? Uh, a lot of people say that uh, Isaac was probably upwards of almost a lad, but could it be even up to 30, 30 years old? I, I don't think that he was this youngling that didn't know what was going on. I believe Isaac knew exactly what was happening. You think that a, a man of Abraham's age... Could he actually wrestle down a young man and keep him awake? Would he be able to wrestle him down? But no, Isaac was that willing one that willingly laid down to be able to be sacrificed. If that was what God wanted, then, then he would be uh, that willing sacrifice. And so it was a beautiful picture of the Son of God that's willing down to, uh, willing to lay down his life. And he was obedient. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 8 tells us that he was obedient even unto death. Boy, that wonderful picture that we have. And then when you look in chapter number 24, you actually see a servant. And yes, there is not a name attached to this servant here in chapter number 24. But most people, and most of them describe him as in other chapters, Eliezer, that he's able to be that faithful servant, the eldest servant that they had, that Abraham had. And he was one of those servants that was faithful to carry out the directive of the father. The father said, go and get a bride. He didn't speak of himself, but he spoke of the father. He spoke of his, the son. He directed everybody in the other direction. He did exactly what he do. He did, uh, uh, he, and nor did he tell of the great things that he was in charge of. He didn't speak uh, uh, great things about himself. He didn't say that I'm such a great master. I, I'm a great servant. I'm the head servant. I'm this, I'm that. He didn't say anything about himself. But he simply was talking about how great the father and how great the son is. 
Boy, what a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit of God. What does the Holy Spirit of God do now that comforts us? And He doesn't point to Himself, but He points to how good that a Father that we have. Praise God. He points to how great a, a Son, the, the Son of God truly is, and the great sacrifice that Jesus Christ did to, to lay down His life, to be able to go and to be able to do those things. As a matter of fact, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit of God in John 16, verse 13, He says, For He shall not speak of Himself, for Whatsoever things he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us in so many ways. But when we begin to see this type, this picture of the Holy Spirit of God, we look at what the mission was of Eliezer, this servant that most people believe to be Eliezer. Now, this unnamed servant that we have, his mission was simply this. If you look in chapters 24, verses 2 through 9, he begins to actually take the account. But if you move on down to chapter number 24, verses 34 through 41, it actually, he recounts what exactly happened. What was his mission? He was assigned to a specific duty. He had something that he had to do. He had a mission that God, or the the, the Father himself had given. The Holy Spirit of God has the same mission. God has given him a mission to go out and to tell people and to witness to people, to woo people, to draw people to himself, to be able to draw them and point to how good God is, how great the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the need that you have as a sinful person, and no other need that we could have is any greater but the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And boy, he was going out and he says, I want you to go out and I want you to search for a bride. I'm getting excited. Glory to God. You get excited. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is doing just that same thing. He's going out and He's wooing those people to become part of the bride of Christ. And wooing those. And thank God that when I was a little boy, that I was wooed at such a young age. And I was given, Lord, the opportunity to be able to be saved, to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. The servant didn't go and and wherever he desired, he went exactly where the Father told him to go. He said, I want you to go to this specific place. And that's exactly the night you got saved. The Holy Spirit of God was dealing directly with you. Glory to God. That night that you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, God gave you the opportunity through the wooing of the Holy Spirit of God to draw you unto Him to be able to do that. But you look at the method, verses number 10 all the way through 14, the method was told to him, this is what I want to do. This is what you need to get done. And then he recounts it in verses 42 through 44 after he meets Rebecca. First, we see that he searched for direction from God. And if we're going to do anything, Brother Jose, the very first thing that we need to make sure that we're doing is that we search diligently for what God wants us to do. Boy, the way that we get... I can tell you that you could think of 48 different ways to be able to do one thing in your life, but if you put it in God's hands, Brother Shane, and you go ahead and say, I know I can think of this way, but God, I want you to be in charge, and I want you to lead, and I want you to be able to touch our life and touch our our way that, uh, that it would prosper because, of God, I know that if you do it, it'll be done right. 
He said that method is I'm going to do it the way that God, he prayed to God that his mission would prosper. And that first question was that, uh, will you give me a drink of water and I'll, I'll lay out this fleece and I'll, I'll do this, I'll lay out that. And then I'll watch to see if she'll draw from, for, for my camels as well. And if you look, he has about 10 camels that's traveling with him, with those men. And begin to say, uh, and he didn't speak of himself, but the goodness. And he began to talk about the riches that his master had, not the riches that he owned but the riches that his father had. (laughs) Glory to God. The Holy Spirit of God had given me such wonderful riches to say this is yours. Why? Because by birth, glory to God, by the new birth that God has birthed you into the family of God, that he has given you an absolutely amazing gift to be able to go through. And he speaks through it. And he had those lavish gifts. And he said, wow, what a wonderful thing that Rebecca responded in the way that I had prayed specifically. God move her in this way. She goes on and she says, would you like a drink? He says, yes. And she says, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and get drink and draw for your camels as well. And I'll be honest with you, this had to cause him to marvel. This was no small feat. Now, if you give somebody a drink of water, that's pretty good. But if you give a camel a drink of water. Now, I have done a little research, and it's dangerous to do some research, but I did a little research. How much can a, how much water can a camel Hold or drink. Some places said as much as 30 gallons. Wow. Now you think about that. That's a lot of water. But let's just go ahead and say this. Let's just say that these these camels weren't really all that thirsty. And they just drank five gallons of water. That's still with ten camels... Can we do math in here? Five and ten, that's... Uh, that's what I was thinking. I just want to make sure y'all said the same thing. Fifty gallons of water to be able to go ahead and, boy, you imagine bringing up that uh, from that well and dumping it into the trough and going back over and doing that. And, boy, the marvel of this man to think about that. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. That is a good woman. If there is one worth marrying, bless God, I'd love, Brother James, I'd love to go to a well and give Heather a bucket. Now, I say that in here because she ain't in here, glory to God. She's teaching the kids over there. But I'd love to give her a bucket and say, I need 50 gallons of water. I'd just love to see what she'd say. Probably don't need to hear it, but... No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But boy, that is... Yeah, this is... Uh, boy, you imagine, that has to be a good woman. And here that she's doing all these things, and boy, the marvel that he had. And he was so marveled and so moved by what she had done and how God had done exactly what he had asked for. That, that's even greater. That he had asked God in faith, God, if you want me to prosper, if you want this to happen, show me the one you want to be the bride. And when she does this, I want her to do this. And when she's doing this, God, reveal her to me. And he marveled at the fact that God came through and did exactly what he'd asked for. 
How is it that there's time and time again where we pray and we beg God and we say, God, there's no way that this is going to happen unless you get on the scene. There's no way that we're going to ever get out of this unless you come on the scene. And God, I'm asking you specifically, will you do this in my life? And then all of a sudden, Brother Richard, guess what happens? God steps in on the scene and all of a sudden something great and miraculous starts to happen and nobody can explain it but one and one only and that is God Almighty because He is the one that makes it happen. Glory to God. Then all of a sudden we get excited. Why? Because God has showed up and done exactly what we've asked Him and begged Him to do in our life. God is good. Boy, not only do we have this, these pictures of the Trinity that's in view, but then we see Rebecca. What is she? Wonderful bride of Christ. Boy, the one that was willing, she was faced with a life-altering decision. The decision that she made has affected millions upon millions upon millions of lives. You say, the decisions that I make in my life affect no one else. Wrong. Every decision that we make is going to affect somebody else. My dad gave a testimony this morning that the decision that his dad made to go into a little old-fashioned tent altar or tent revival that changed the course of his life because his dad, right at that time, my grandpa, was not saved. But glory to God, he went in one day and just listened to the gospel a little bit. Went back the next day and got a little closer. And then the third day, Brother Earl, he actually got up and went on into that tent. And guess what happened? The glory of God came down and the Holy Spirit of God moved. And all of a sudden, now he's got a grandboy that gets to preach the gospel. He's got family that gets to sing. Why? Because of all those things. Because the decision that he made on that night that he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior and changed the whole course of history. Not that we are all important, but somebody made that decision in your life. Boy, your family's life. Maybe your grandpa made a decision that altered your life. Maybe your parents made a decision. Maybe it was you that made a decision that's now going to change the, uh, and alter your entire family's life for the rest of these generations. But oh, thank God that Rebecca made that decision. And she said, yes, I'll go with that man. And boy, the forces that uh, God has, has to, to be able to go through, he'll take these circumstances and he'll work this way and he'll show and he'll lead and he'll God and He'll bring you, but God will never force you to decide to do His will. Never has God ever forced His will on anyone else. He has always given us the free choice. Wilt thou go with this man? And we begin to look. I want you to look at a few things with me and we'll be done. By, well, I won't even say that because last time I lied. You begin to look, number one, I want you to see the call. The call that God had made right here. Wilt thou go with this man? They asked Rebecca and said unto her, Wilt thou go with him, with this man? And she said, I will go. See, this was a direct question. It wasn't him hauled around. It wasn't coming back and forth. You, you remember those days when, when you were uh, meeting your loved one, that one that you're married to, that one that you just had that crush on, and boy, you just got real close, and you wanted to just be able to be in their presence, and hey, all you could do was just be close to them, and you never could get the nerve. Okay, y'all are all braver than me, praise God. 
I remember the day, I, first day I ever saw Heather, first day I saw her, uh, um, she was wearing a red dress with white polka dots. Whoop, glory. And uh, when I saw her in that dress, I was thinking, boy, I want us to get to know her. Began to go through, and I wanted to talk to her a little bit. And, and she began to work at Christian City where I was working, where Dad had got me a job to go ahead and get a truck, praise God. And, uh, and we were getting through, and uh, I was walking through this area where she was working. And, and I had never gone through that area before because I had no reason to. But then I started visiting and frequenting that area. You ever done one of those things where you're walking up and you get real close, and then you're just like, oh, no, I can't do it. Walking through, I'm going to talk to her this time. I'm going to do it this time. No, I can't do it. Well, I did that so many times. And then finally, I, one day, I see her in the hallway where we're not actually in that area. She's, she's working down the hallway, and I finally got up the nerve, and I said, hi, young lady, how are you doing? How do you like your job? And, and, and I'll be honest with you, Brother Jeff, I was expecting her to just say, oh, my glory, you hunk of burning love. That's what I was figuring. She didn't. She said, it's a job. Left me standing there. The hunk of burning love was standing there when she walked off. I'm telling you. Oh, it's amazing. But, boy, I just get up. But you know that those times where you're just really just trying to get up the nerve to be able to talk to somebody and be able to... But no, this is not the way. And that's not the way God works. When God comes to you, He's going to come directly to you. And He's going to tell you, listen, this is a decision that you're going to have to make. And no matter what decision is making, it is your decision to do. But right now is the time to make that decision. I know that I was young. I would know that I was just a little boy. But I'm glad that He gave me that decision back then. And I'm glad that I made the right decision right then. But I know that there are times where people have gone and, boy, people have tried to fight and try to get away from God and and He's tried to go and comes back again and again and again. So thankful that that call comes and it's clear and it's not unwavering. It doesn't say, hey, if you want to do this, then maybe I'll do this. No, He says that if you'll trust in Me, that if you'll place your faith and trust in Me, then I will save your soul. I will wash you with the blood of Jesus Christ. I will bring you to a place called heaven someday. That call that's crisp, it's clear, it's unwavering. It's the one that comes on. And you begin to look at this call. What's this call? The servant's request is this. Real simple. This is real simple. Elementary. Wilt thou go with this man? He laid out the facts. It was this one single plea. There was no high pressure sales tactic. I was sitting at lunch today with Brother Barry and I. We actually went and ate lunch and, and we were sitting there and we was listening and there was somebody getting sold life insurance at a Zaxby's. Hallelujah. Probably not the best place to do it. But boy, he was doing everything that he could. He was giving him the high pressure. He was giving him the sales tactic, giving him everything. You know what? Eliezer, the servant, wasn't doing that. He simply gave him the facts, gave him exactly, gave him the story of Isaac. Let me tell you about the son 
that I want you to come and be married to. I want you to tell, I want to tell you about the bride that you could be a part of, that, that you could be the one too. Boy, I want you to tell you about a man that was a miraculous birth. His parents were well beyond a, a, a childbearing years, but the miraculous birth that took place, and he is, boy, glory to God, that sounds familiar, Brother Kyle. That sounds like a miraculous birth of somebody else, the Lord Jesus Christ, one that's never been born like him and never one that'd be born anything like him ever again that he was named before his birth ever took place. That sounds like somebody else I know. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I begin to look at another one. He says that he's the only son of promise. <laughs> that sounds like somebody else that I know that I've heard about. Glory to God. He says that he was taken up a lonely hill and he was going to be offered on a lonely hill. Sounds like somebody else that I've heard about. Glory to God. Boy, the Holy Spirit does a great job. He's not trying to woo you on His merits. He's not trying to tell you what He has done. But He's telling you, look what the Son has done for you. Look who the Son is. Look how He has sacrificed His life for you. Thank God that He's got up from the grave and He arose, glory to God, on that third day. And He's in heaven right now, glory to God. And one day He's going to come back and He's going to receive you unto Himself. Glory to God. That's a promise that I love. That's a promise that I never get tired of hearing about. That's a promise. That's a call. He's just saying, here's the facts. The decision is yours. Just make the decision. But look what the bride's response is. Three words. I will go. Not, well, if you do this for me, no, I will go. The decision that she made, there was a very direct answer. It wasn't any way that he hesitated. I'm sure that there was probably a hundred reasons. To be honest with you, to think about it. Think about the travel that she'd have to go. Number one, he's asking her, go and be the bride of somebody that you've never seen. Now, ladies, how many of you are willing? I've got people already shaking their head no. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you that this person is... He's real nice. He's real sweet. He'll treat you real good. Boy, he can offer you all these great things. Ladies, how many of you would be willing? Now, I know, I know you're sitting next to your husband, so you're sitting next to your husband, you don't want to hurt his feelings. But how many of you would be willing to say, I'd do that? Not a hand. Brother Earl, did you just pull Brother Sister Kathy's hand down? Not a hand. Why? Because no one's going to make a decision that life-altering with so few hacks. But the Holy Spirit of God does that to us. As a matter of fact, when we begin to say, I I've never seen, Brother Matt, I've never seen Jesus. I I've seen pictures. I've seen the ones of, that everybody else has seen. Do I really believe that that's how Jesus really looks? Probably, most likely not. I'm pretty sure that Jesus didn't have blue eyes. I mean, let's just be honest. But so do I believe it? But no, we don't know. But thank God. In First Peter chapter number 1, verse number 8, he says, Whom having not seen, ye love. Why would Rebecca begin to start making such a life-altering decision? Because he had told her about what the great things that he could offer her and how wonderful it would be whenever. Then when I was getting saved, when the Holy Spirit convicted my soul, boy, I began to fall in love with somebody that I'd never seen. The, 
As I live year by year and day by day, every day that goes on, I fall more and more in love with somebody that I've never seen. Oh, have I talked to him? Absolutely. Have I felt him deep down inside of my heart? Absolutely. Have I communed with him? Have I fellowshiped with him? Absolutely. But thank God I love him because he first loved me. And it's a wonderful thing that that call is simply put that the bride says, I will go having not seen yet. I love him. I'll be with him. Boy, that call is wonderful. But number two, when you look at it, go a little further in verse number 61, we see the conquest that they begin to intake, take on. What is that? And Rebecca arose and her damsel, and they rode upon camels. They rode upon camels. And look at this. Follow, underline this phrase. And followed the man. And the servant took Rebecca and underlined this phrase and went his way. <laughs> okay, help me now. All of us have a sense of independence that we want to do our own thing. We all want to make it our own way. We want to do our own thing. We need to go the direction that we want to go. But I'll be honest with you. When we get saved, and God has given us a a new life, we need to go the way He's guiding us to go. We need to go the way that the Holy Spirit of God has given to us. Now, let's think about this. They didn't have airplanes back then. They didn't have Greyhound buses with indoor plumbing back then. They were on camels that were traveling three miles an hour for a journey that was over 500 miles from where she was to where her destination was. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you travel about 20, 25 miles a day on a camel, that's hard traveling. That's a long journey. That's something that's going on. be honest with you, Brother Oliver, when I got saved, my journey just began. Hallelujah. Boy, you, you say, well, Brother Shane, man, a lot of people think, well, I'm saved. That's all I got to do. No, because if God was done with you when he saved you, he'd take you right then. But he's left us here on this journey to go through this conquest that they're beginning to go on. They're working. They're going. They didn't have all these uh, uh, modern day ways to travel through. And as they journeyed and they went on, the more and more she began to say, tell me more about him. Tell me about that story. Tell me the story one more time. How his daddy took him up that hill and was going to sacrifice him. Tell me one more time about how his miraculous birth was. Tell me one more time how great God, uh, how great the Father had done all these things. Boy, Brother Richard, I'll be honest with you. There's times I get in my prayer closet and I just get with the Holy Spirit of God and I begin to get with Jesus Christ and I begin to say, tell me one more time. I get in the Word of God and I say, tell me one more time. Boy, this is a long trip. Boy, it's a long journey. There's a hard journey. There's difficult things that I'm going through. But tell me one more time. Encourage me with the Savior. Encourage me with the good graces of God. Encourage me with your comfort that you have. Boy, that's what she was wanting. This conquest that she was going on was a long one. But I want you to think about this. She was not left alone. She had a God. And the great thing is she said she went his way. Now, I'll be honest with you, probably nowadays, 
probably would say something like, well, thank you very much for the information. Thank you for letting me know where he is. I'll be over there in a few days. I'll just go ahead and meet you. I probably don't like the direction that you want to go in, so I'll just go on my way. To be honest, how many of you have a bad relationship with your GPS? I still think, Brother Matt, I still think that GPSs need to have this programmed into them because I hear it so much. I'm driving down the road. Brother Richard, you probably deal with this all the time. You're driving down the road and you're thinking, it says turn left at the next, tra- uh, ne- next traffic light. I'm thinking, I don't want to turn that way. I can go out there and I know a be- much better way. And then it huffs at me. <sighs> Redirecting. Your GPS starts huffing, boy, you're in trouble. But boy, redirecting, recalculating, recalculating, going a different route, going a different way. Boy, there's so many times, boy, the God that she had knew the way that she needed to go. <laughs> he knew the path that she had to take. Boy, let me tell you this. It didn't matter how long ago you got saved, but glory to God, the Savior saved your soul. And the Holy Spirit of God was given to you when you got saved as your God. And He knows the way that you're going to have to take. He knows the path that you're going to have to walk. He knows the mountains you're going to have to climb. He knows those valleys that you're going to have to trudge through. He knows those little rivers that he's gonna, you're going to have to cross over. He knows exactly what's going. But thank God He knows the best way, the right way, the one that will help you along. God will be your God. She didn't say, I'll meet you there. But oh, how the Holy Spirit of God would just lead us in that way and be our God. And what a great map that we have. What is that? The B-I-B-L-E. Thank God that's the book for me that He has given to each and every one of us. That we have a road map and we have one that will teach us how to use the road map that God has given to us. Hallelujah, we have a God that's there. But then even better, on this conquest, she had a guard. You think about that for a minute. You think about that just for a moment. The area that she was going to have to cross through. The times that she was going to... The days that she'd have to spend out there in the desert. Boy, she didn't want to be out there alone. She didn't want to have to trudge through these areas all by herself. She didn't want to do that. Why? Because she needed somebody to guard her and somebody to help her. I got somebody that guards me too. Glory to God. I've got somebody that helps me along. He guides me, but he guards me. Boy, those treacherous journeys and the dangerous places that she had to face. Boy, oh, he knew that there was to, to guard her. There were going to be attacks that might possibly come along. Boy, there's attacks in your life that God knows that's going to happen, but he's there. That Holy Spirit of God fends it off and begins to do a battle even when you don't even know what's happening. He was there to shield her from the elements of the desert. Boy, you think about those times when she's traveling through that hot desert sand and riding on that camel and all of a sudden she's getting weary. Boy, she may need a little stop and get a little rest. And then all of a sudden, Eliezer looks at her and says, honey, we might need to stop for a little bit. You might need a drink of a little water. Glory to God, I got the Holy Spirit of God deep down inside of me that says, hey, you might be weary on the travel that you're going through. You may be weary on this journey that's happening in your life. We may need to just stop and drink a little bit of water, glory to God, for a little bit and 
refresh your soul, refresh your body, get you on going on down the road. Glory to God, he guarded her and then he comforted her. Boy, in those midnight hours, boy, the times that are darkest, the times that you don't have anybody else to look to, the times that there's not anybody else around, all of a sudden that that servant would step on the scene and say, it's going to be all right, honey. I'm still right here beside you. Glory to God, the Holy Spirit of God has done that to me so many times. He's wrapped up my in his arms and said, it's going to be all right because I still hadn't left you because I'm still here right along with you. I'm still going to be here guarding every step of the way. And this conquest, I can promise you this, will be worth it someday. But then lastly, number three, number three, number three, held up two fingers. Number three, the crossing. Think about this. Turn with me, go a little further down with me in verse number, chapter number 24. Look at verse number 64. Rebecca lifted up her eyes. I'm already getting excited. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes. And when he, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. I know that there are trials that you face. I know that there are hard times that you have, that you go through. I know that the journey is long. The journey will come to an end one day. The journey is going to come to an end someday, whether it's by the way where he calls you home and lets you cross over sweet chili Jordan. That might be one way where the journey ends for you on this side. But glory to God, you get to be with him on the other side. But thank God there's going to be one day, brother Rick, that I can tell you that I don't believe is very long and very far away that there's a day where Jesus Christ is going to step out on the clouds. (laughs) And he's going to take his bride home. And we will then get to be, Revelation chapter number 19, be at the marriage supper of the Lamb and have a wonderful time of fellowship right there, right there with Him. Boy, the bride's reaction to that crossing. I won't be honest with you. I, I, I can recall this, and I, I know that I used my family, but my grandmother back in 1998, my grandmother was sitting there, and, and boy, there was a struggle that was happening on, and, and then all of a sudden, she made the crossing over on. But then I can tell you this, then a few years later, I was sitting beside my papa's bedside, and mom had said, hey, Shane, I don't want to leave, and I, I'm going to stay here because papa, he might be going home at any moment now. And I said, mama, I know, but I'll be all right. I'll be right here with him. And that night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, Brother Matt, Papa had been laying there struggling for days, weeks, hours as I sat there with him. Struggled to get that breath. Struggled one more time. And as I sat by his bedside, Brother Hollifer, all of a sudden I noticed that Papa wasn't staring off to nowhere anymore. He looked like he was kind of focusing in on something. And a big old smile come across his face. That was it. I believe that that right there was a beautiful crossing of the saint of God. Precious in his sight. 
It's a saint of God. Thank God that is precious. You say, why is that? It's just precious to you because it was your pawpaw. Absolutely not. It's precious because, guess what? I have a promise that that's the same way I get to go. The same place I get to do, I get to see. The same place that I get to stare off into and to begin to see something that nobody else that may be in the room can see. You say, what is this? How does this apply to Rebecca and Abraham? Well, because it actually says that she, uh, when she lifted up her eyes and she saw Isaac. <laughs> I believe there's soon coming a day where we're going to lift our eyes. And when we see the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the wonderful one that has shed his blood for each and every one of us. It says that she lighted off the camel. You know what that means? She started flying through the air for a little bit. Hallelujah. She got plumb light on her feet. Glory to God. And I believe that what she saw absolutely swept her off her feet. And I believe with all of my heart, Brother Steve, that there's coming a day when Jesus Christ opens up that sky and makes a call. Boy, that trumpet sounds and makes a call. Come up hither. That all of a sudden, there's going to be a whole bunch of us that's been sitting down here and we've been on our feet and we've been trying to be planted. But then all of a sudden, we're not going to be singing that old hymn, I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. All of a sudden, we'll get light and He'll pull us up in the glory and we'll meet Him in the glory land and we'll meet Him in heaven and how wonderful that place will be. Boy, boy, that, that reaction of the bride is absolutely wonderful. But I want you to see the bridegroom's receiving in verse 66 and the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. Said, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've crossed some mountains. I've gone through those deep, dark valleys. And boy, there are times that we didn't know if we'd be able to move on through and get out of that valley, but we were moving on through. And, and, and let me tell you about a chilly river that we had to cross. And boy, we got through that. But just after that, we got on the other side. Guess who we got to see? The same one, glory to God, that we'll get to see the Savior, Jesus Christ. But it'll make it every mile of the trip. Say, how important is it? I'll close this way. I'm trying to hurry in, but I'll close this way. The journey that they had to take. That 500, over 500 miles. They had to pass through a little place called Shechem. When they passed through that place, I'm sure that they probably noticed something that was sitting over there. There was an altar that had been made by her father-in-law, Abraham. Altar that was set there. Why did he make that altar? Because God had promised him that if you just follow me, then I'll give you everything that your feet Tread upon, I will give you everything that you see right here. I will bless you. And he had an altar of decision right there. And he decided, I'm following God. Boy, there's, there's a time in each and every one of our lives where we pass through that little altar of decision and say, I choose Jesus. I'm following God. But then in that same place in Shechem, this is really interesting because a, a few years down the road, after Rebecca and Isaac have children, their son Jacob is actually going to go to that same place right next to that altar, and there's a little oak tree that's there. 
And when he gets to that little oak tree, he begins to bury some little false idols and false gods. And he has an altar of devotion and says, I'm throwing away the false gods that I've been serving before. And I am going to decide and I'm going to devote my life that I'm going to serve God. Interestingly enough, that same place in Shechem, guess who else follows? There's a, a crowd of folks named the Israelites. They cross over. And in that same place, there's a young man by the name of Joshua. He's not all that young. It's actually he preaches his last sermon right beside that little oak tree one more time. And he preaches the sermon and he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Right there in that same little spot was an altar of determination that I'm serving him Nothing else. It all comes down to the decisions that we make. It all comes down to, wilt thou go with that man? Why did all of these things take place? Because one lady made one decision. I will go. So let me ask you tonight. The decision is yours. Will you go? I don't know where God's asking you to go. I don't know where God is asking you to do. I don't don't know what God has in store for your life. But I know that he's asking every one of us, wilt thou go with this man? Boy, my, my prayer is that we answer, I will go. Let's stand. Heavenly Father.